to another episode of Canadians with Disabilities and Their Allies. My name is Brent. I'm the host for the show. And today I am really pleased to uh, welcome Mr. Peter Julian, Honourable Peter Julian, MP for New Westminster, British Columbia. Welcome, Peter. Well, thank, thank you very much. I'm speaking to you from the traditional unceded territories of the Kakite First Nation and the Coast Salish peoples. And I wanted to say a special hi to deaf and hard of hearing uh, people right across Canada. Great. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today and uh, talk about the pressing issues that affect uh, Canadians with disabilities across Canada. I'm um, ex excited to have this discussion because, as as we know, uh, the hardship that we're experiencing right across this country primarily has an impact on Canadians with disabilities. And uh, we're seeing growing food bank lineups. We're seeing uh, more and more homeless. Uh, I'll talk uh, in a few minutes about what the NDP is doing to fight back against that. But uh, about half of the people who are homeless in this country and about half of those who have to go to food banks to make ends meet are people with disabilities. Uh, we, we need uh, a sea change uh, in how the federal government uh, approaches disability issues and making sure that people with disabilities are supported right across the country. Mm -hmm. And one thing I wanted to say is uh, I know that uh, when it comes to uh, the people with disabilities and that uh, marginalized groups, uh, there's a lot of frustration uh, from people sometimes, and it kind of gets uh, misfocused, you know, because uh, you know Brent had a had a podcast uh, last week about him being harassed, um, you know, and death threats and all the rest of it. And I know politicians face the same thing of, of you're getting harassed and death threats and all the rest of it. And uh, I just want to make a point that it's really important that we separate the the uh, policy and the the person, right? Because the last time you were on the show, Peter, it was about, about a year ago. Uh, we don't have to get into the specifics, but uh, there was one person that kind of laid all the fault of federal government at your feet and said, you're to blame Peter for everything. And it's like, is that really fair? You know, it's, it's, it's not right. And I mean, like I said, I understand that people are frustrated and I understand like people want to vent, but people really have to learn to separate the, the person and the, and the policy because politicians are people too. And Brent's a person and he didn't deserve to get harassed either. And so I just wanted to, kind of lay that out there and and start start there <laughs> yeah th thank you i mean the, in my office uh we uh we're seeing folks that uh, increasingly uh are 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 being abusive and uh, we have a zero tolerance policy uh with with staff and uh we we do the same thing online right there's somebody who's abusive uh it's it's an automatic block uh, the the reality is uh, we are seeing uh, bad players that are deliberately trying to stoke people on social media. A lot of these uh, disability accounts are actually accounts that are generated uh, by by dictatorships like Putin's uh, Internet Research Agency in Moscow. What they're trying to do is divide, to separate, to attack. Uh, they don't attack the far right because uh, they are actually very sympathetic to uh, far right, uh, the, the, the far right attack and, and uh, 
the uh, ableism of, of the far right, basically cutting and slashing any benefits that go to people with disabilities. Uh, mm. And so they're manipulating folks. We need to remember that we have to be in solidarity. And uh, I take my direction from the, the, the bosses. My bosses are the people of New Westminster Burnaby and about 20% of my bosses are people with disabilities. So I, I take that to heart as does Jagmeet Singh and the whole NDP caucus. And we're gonna continue to fight. And we'll, over the course of this show, talk about some of the things we've succeeded in getting and some of the things that we haven't gotten yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, there's so many people that are in despair, um, hoping, you know, for a relief. Uh, and, and I'm gonna touch, uh, touch on that topic uh, in, a, in a bit. Um, uh, you know, because there's so many people are just reaching out. They want they want results now. They want results now, and they're back and forth. And well, about advocacy and and um, yeah, like it's uh, there's so much uncertainty. Uh, of course, with because global inflation has really eroded away the buying power um, on um, disability uh, support payments across Canada. They're well below the poverty level in Canada, uh, as we know. Um, some provinces are well, 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 well below that what they should be for the buying power. Other ones are getting up there, but they're still way below than what the threshold, um, what the national threshold is, uh, according to the federal government. Um, I would I would differ with their numbers on that because that's just the basic amount. Like when when CERB came out, um, Peter, um, of course, the, the federal government said, wow, $2,000 was was the least amount uh, just for, I mean, that's not even including a one with a disability. I mean, those payments are, I mean, their expenses are much higher than that. So it was $2,000 and they said that was the bare amount that person needs to get by just to get by. Um, of course, the opportunity of uh, getting the payments out to Canadians with disabilities, uh, the promise was made way back at the beginning of COVID. Now it's over like 900 770 something days now i think it is it's the numbers keep ticking up every uh you know every day uh and still it's like the dangling carrot yeah yeah you know it's uh we're, you know, we're, we're getting there but you know then of course uh yeah there's uh definitely the uh the divide of saying well you know oh they don't care you know that's why i keep hearing the disability community oh they don't care well no i mean they do care right they and that's the thing it's I, i'll get your um your uh, overview on that, because we'll, we'll dive right into the Canada Disability Benefit. Uh, um, but first, I, before we dive into the Canada Disability Benefit, uh, let's talk about the, the, uh, the disability tax credit first, and then we'll talk about the disability uh, benefit. Okay, well, uh, and, and I, I just want to preface, uh, we talk about, we're going to talk about the benefit not being a reality. The NDP has been pushing for a guaranteed livable basic income for people with disabilities and for seniors. Yeah. And we're going to continue to fight for that. Uh, yeah. But I, I just want to note that when COVID hit, we had to fight like hell for a disability benefit to come forward. Uh, mm -hmm. But the banks got this massive bailout package, $750 billion in liquidity supports. That's, that's billions wow. with a B. Yeah. Uh, that And it took four days for the Trudeau government to put it into place. The Harper government, the Conservatives, were the same way. When there was an economic crisis, they coughed up over $100 billion for the banks just to maintain bank profits. So wow. the, the reality is uh, we have a majority that is liberal and conservative in the House of Commons. They're willing to give untold hundreds of billions of dollars to banks they're not willing to provide a, liv a livable basic income for people with disabilities. And this is uh, why uh, part of my call today is going to be uh, people with disabilities, you know, 20% of the population, if, if the entire uh, Canadians with disabilities population goes out and votes in the next election, they can determine who is the government. And the NDP can do a lot of things, but we have 25 MPs out of 338, so we don't have magic wands. And we're, we're going to talk about some of the things we've achieved, but we could achieve a hell of a lot more if we had 125 NDP MPs than we can with 25. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and that's, uh, you, you nailed it on that one, Peter, is, I mean, encouraging people to get out there and vote. That is your, your, you know, your, your right uh, to see change happen. And if you want the same status quo, you just keep on going because it's, it's not working. 
it's not working for the people. Uh, what's happening right now in the country with the uh, liberals and the conservatives? Uh, um, you know, I, I know that the NDP uh, they really pushed to even get that um, the other uh, tax credit amounts uh, increased because the liberal government they didn't want to do it. They they were they voted. I think they didn't they vote it down or something. Um, they were just kicking and screaming like we don't want to do this to help people. And um, great, great on you guys for uh, for getting that uh, pushed out there. Yeah. So so let's let's talk about the disability yeah. tax credit. You you attended sure. my a forum that Alistair McGregor organized in Langford yeah. uh, on Sunday. I was up with uh, Lisa Marie Barron up in Nanaimo. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done about 600 of these disability tax credit town halls across the country. It is true that it is a non-refundable tax credit, so it doesn't help everybody, but it's transferable. And often, uh, most of the people with disabilities that can benefit from it don't know about it because mm. the former Harper government stopped outreach, uh, stopped CRA, the, the revenue folks, from going out and telling people with disabilities about the program. And mm -hmm. the Trudeau government has continued that practice. So the only ones going out there and talking about it are NDP MPs. And the reality is, uh, uh, every time I do this, there's a family that can be helped. Uh, sometimes they get uh, thousands of dollars. Uh, sometimes with the Registered Disability Savings Plan, they get uh, tens of thousands of dollars. That's the reason we do that. But we do believe that the credit should be refundable, uh, refundable not non-refundable. So even if you don't pay taxes, you can benefit from it. And, and ultimately, it's not the disability tax credit that is going to provide the sea change in the quality of life with people with disabilities. It's having that guaranteed livable basic income. And that's, that's what we continue to push for. Canada is a rich country. If we can afford uh, the hundreds of billions of dollars that have gone to shore up bank profits and the tens of billions of dollars that go to oil and gas CEOs, we can afford to provide a, a guaranteed livable basic income for all people with disabilities and all seniors. I, ha yeah. I have a, I have an interesting story about the DTC, if, if you allow me, Brent. Sure. Because um, yeah, sure. it, it, might, it might apply to some people that are watching. Um, you know, for many, many years, uh, when I was like a teenager and in my early 20s, and then I started working, you know, and uh, I had a doctor that, I mean, I have, I was born with cerebral palsy. So, I mean, it's a significant lifelong disability, right? But I had a doctor that would always say, you know, Neil, you're not disabled. You know, um, you know, you have, you have no disability. You're so, you're, you're so active and you can, you can work, you go, you're going to school, you're, you're, you're going to university, like you're, you're, you're not disabled. And uh, so I remember when I, went and applied, tried to apply for the disability tax credit, um, the doctor would always say, no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not signing that because you're, you're not really disabled. You're, you're not disabled enough to get, to get it. Right. And, uh, so like for years since I, like from when I was like 18 to about 33, I never applied for it. So that's a lot of years. Right. So age 18 to 33, I never applied for it. And then I got married to my first wife. Uh, she's passed away now, but uh, my first wife, she was, she was in a wheelchair too. And uh, she had a lifelong disability as well. And uh, mm -hmm. so when we started doing taxes together, she would see me doing taxes and she said, aren't you going to apply for the disability tax credit? And I said, well, no, because my doctor says I'm not disabled enough. And, and, so she, and she just laughed, like she was literally rolling on the floor laughing almost, you know, and she says, are you kidding? She says, you are disabled. You have a lifelong disability of, of cerebral palsy. You are disabled. And I said, well, all, of, all the time doctors tell me I'm not disabled enough. And she says, that's crazy. She says, go to my doctor and you'll get approved. And so that's why I did. I went to her doctor, got immediately approved. And then, so from then on, um, I got it. And I think they had... Um, it was ret retroactive for four years, is it? I, you can correct me on that. No, it's, it's yeah, retroactive it. for 10 years. You should it, have yeah, been, was, you should have it, gotten 10 years. It, that would 10? have been $14,000. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't remember. If, I think it was, I think I got seven or 10. You, yeah, I, I can't remember, but it was retroactive for, for quite a few years. Yeah. 10 years, yeah. Back pay, yeah. Yeah, that's no. what I was just going to mention, actually. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's how, how many years. And I remember at the town hall, um, Peter, you mentioned yeah, it was up to retroactive up to 10 years. And um, and then 
then the, I guess the other, uh, the other topic within the DTC too is, um, about the, uh, about the R RDSP. Um, I was just wondering if you could maybe dive into a little bit about that, uh, after we talk about the DTC. Uh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, they're, they're, uh, it's income-based, uh, sort of based on family income, but a person with a disability can get up to $90,000 from the federal government over a 20-year period with uh, the disability, the RDSP grants and bonds. And, and if even if uh, there's no contribution at all, if you make no contribution, you can't, you can't afford to make a contribution. You can get $1,000 a year, that's up to $20,000. If you can make a contribution uh, even if it's a thousand to twelve hundred dollars a year, you could get up to three thousand five hundred a year mm. over twenty years. That's seventy thousand dollars. So seventy and and plus twenty, that's ninety thousand dollars. And so we we try to make sure people are aware of this because it really provides a financial foundation for a person with a disability. Now, there's an age discrimination, as we talked about, Brent, uh, yeah. at the forum in Langford, and, and it's, uh, it's 49, which is the cutoff age, uh, which doesn't yeah. make a whole lot of sense when you think that there are people that become disabled in their 40s that need mm -hmm. to have that foundation for their 50s and 60s and 70s. And there's also a clawback provision. Uh, the NDP, quite frankly, would improve the program. Uh, again, this doesn't detract from the necessity of having a guaranteed livable basic income, having that Canada disability benefit is essential. But the DTC, the disability tax credit on top of that and the registered disability savings plan really would help to set a foundation for a person with a disability and, and their family. And, and that's why we, we're going across the country doing all sorts of town halls because most people who qualify for it don't know about it and don't apply for it mm -hmm. and they don't they don't realize the uh the benefits that you will get out of it um there's so many benefits that you can get of it like i i know that that one-time payment that 600 one-time payment when the feds they, they, yeah they got out there and it only went to you know the deep ones on dtc but provincial levels that did they didn't get that and that's why you know, and I mean, that's why I, I encourage you. I mean, anyone who can apply for the DTC, definitely, because there are other programs that are going to be out there that you could actually get. Um, definitely. Yeah. And, and Brent, I, I, can I can I jump yeah. on that? Uh, Neil, I, sure. I, well, Neil wanted to say something, but I want to come back to the, the okay. emergency benefit during COVID. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh, did you want to say something, Neil? I just wanted to quickly jump in about the RDSP, like, I actually applied for it as well. Like I did the the one time um, contribution. I think it was fifteen hundred dollars, and um, and then of course because I'm on disability, right? So I can't afford to do a lot of contributions. So I basically did only one contribution, the first one, and even though I could only do one contribution only, um, it's already up to almost twenty thousand dollars, and that was only with one contribution. So wow. um, that's pretty significant, you know, it so is. you can imagine somebody that if they were able to contribute more, how much more it would be. But even if you can only afford to do the one contribution, it's, yeah. it's already like $20,000 in your pocket. So exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, this is and this is why I mean, the, the misconception of your doctor is why we do this as well across the country, because uh, the government isn't talking about these programs. Some medical professionals have a misguided understanding of the program, and a lot of people don't apply because of the myth, myths around the program. And I, I, I am, I'm not suggesting the program doesn't need to be improved. It needs to be improved for hard of hearing people. Uh, it needs to be a refundable tax credit. The age uh, discrimination needs to be removed. Yeah. Um, those and the clawback needs to be stopped. Those are all things that an NDP government can bring into into place. But even with those things still in place, uh, mm -hmm. it's a can be major advantage for so many people. Mm -hmm. And um, is um, do you know if there's any discussion um, regarding the DTC about the uh, how long does a person have it for like I know there's some discussion saying some people say well they only have it for five years and then you got to reapply um, others say don't once you have it that's it they you, you, I mean like a disability doesn't go away 
Yeah, and 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 the the Canada Revenue Agency tried to be pretty mean spirited and tried to force people to go through the hoops um, on a more regular basis. And of course, uh, for a lot of doctors, they actually charge for the form to be filled out. So that's a financial discrimination as well against people with disabilities. Uh, the NDP pushed back hard, and I I I understand CRA has backed off because I'm certainly. Not in my uh, writing office, I'm not getting the same number of people that are having CRA forcing them to review or to resubmit. Uh, mm. But it, it, uh, I suggest to folks, if CRA is trying to come after you, go to your MP. Because your MP, you, you're the boss of your MP, and your MP should be stepping up for you and fighting for you if CRA tries in a mean-spirited way to try to, to take, take away the disability tax credit from you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, um, well, thank you on that topic. Uh, that's definitely very informative and, uh, you know, gives people a, a better outlook on the um, how the DTC works. I mean, there's definitely lots of tweaks that need to be uh, modernized, should we say, uh, because, uh, yeah, clawbacks have to end. Uh, I mean, the age, uh, the age discrimination, uh, there's so many things uh, that definitely... Um, that the NDP is working at, uh, you know, getting uh, getting that hammered out. I mean, we have to, it's like leading the it's like leading the uh, the horse to the trough, right? I mean, you, you have to you have to for, force the federal government to make these changes because it affects people's lives. Brent um, Brent Brent knows that uh, Brent knows that I call the clawbacks the pink oh, yes, unicorn, yes. the pink unicorns I call them. Yeah, and uh, Peter, Peter, you were you were calling about nobody has a magic wand, and uh, and I call the clawbacks. A pink unicorn all the time when I write emails to the provincial government here, and because I yeah. I have my uh, survivors pension clawed back like every month for the last ten years almost, and I'm 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 saying well you've turned a you've turned a earned income privilege of a of a survivors pension you've turned an earn, earned income privilege into a pink unicorn where it's just poof it's gone it doesn't it doesn't uh, amount to anything it doesn't count we're just gonna like invalidate it. And I said, well, that's what you're doing. You're turning it into a pink unicorn, and that's not right. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, CPPD. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. This is, yeah. this is. I mean, we, we need to be treating people with disabilities with respect. And these are all problems that are in the existing system, uh, yeah. laying on top of it the Canada Disability Benefit. But uh, can we come back to that in a moment? I just yeah. want to talk about the emergency benefit during yeah. COVID. Because the NDP yeah. fought like hell for that. We, uh, we took it into the House of Commons. We got unanimous support. Uh, then the government said, well, you know, we're just going to send it out to people with the DTC. And I spent um, entire weekends talking with the bureaucrats to mm -hmm. tell them to do it with everybody in the database, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was this magical moment. I remember it was a Saturday night in Ottawa. And uh, a bureaucrat finally admitted to me that when people with disabilities across the country who receive provincial disability benefits send mm -hmm. their tax return in that clearly identifies uh, with the receipts that they are receiving disability benefits, whether that's mm -hmm. in BC or Ontario or anywhere else. But what the federal government does is they throw that receipt in the trash can and they enter the income under other income. There is oh. no inputting at the federal level that actually shows people who are receiving the disability benefit across the country under provincial unbelievable yeah. unbelievable wow. to me it, it wow. is so irresponsible and yeah. unless we start doing that and and i want to shout out to benita zarillo who's uh, the ndp mp for port moody coquitlam she is uh, our disability critic and she mm -hmm. has been relentless and pushing the government to start inputting all of the disability uh, recipients across the country so we actually know at the federal level who's receiving disability benefits. Uh, it is crazy to me that both conservatives and liberals have been so irresponsible for decades and refused to actually input all those people with disabilities. So when we fought for the disability benefit, first we, we fought to include everybody in the database. And we finally got everybody in the federal database, including veterans with disabilities and okay. those who are receiving CPP disability. Uh, and then we got an extension, you'll recall, so that uh, somebody who hadn't signed up for the disability tax credit could still do that. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we added uh, thousands of Canadians as a result of that extension. 
But until we have a government that actually understands that everybody with a disability needs to be inputted in the federal system as a person with a disability, we are, mm -hmm. are going to see a Canada disability benefit fail because uh, the federal government doesn't know who's receiving provincial disability benefits. That's crazy. And we need to make wow. sure that this starts happening. And, and I, I thank Benita Zarillo and Jagmeet Singh as well has been uh, very clear on this issue. We need to start having a federal government step up and input everybody with a disability across the country. Well, yeah, exactly, because it's like a it's like a jurisdictional thing. It's like, oh well, well, you're provincial. Oh, okay, but you're you're not federal. Well, we don't know who's on provincial. It's like, uh, you know, it's just that divide, right? They've got to cut that divide and yeah. and put it into a national uh, database so that people know, like, yeah, like it's not your disability. Like I've said before on my shows, you can born with a disability. You can get other disabilities as you get older. I mean, it doesn't go away. It's like. The CRA just wants it to go away like a like a pink unicorn, just, you know, poof, no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I want to be clear about this. The federal government is getting the disability yeah. seats as yeah. the person with the disability is filing their taxes and is yeah. deliberately throwing them in the trash can. Uh, that is the height of irresponsibility. There, there is no justification for this at all. Yeah. So yes, I understand that if, if somebody doesn't file a tax return, they'd only be known in the provincial level. And that does take some coordination. But yeah. this is the height of irresponsibility. They're literally throwing people with disabilities in the trash can. And, and, and it's got to stop. And, and both liberals and conservatives are responsible. Uh, the NDP would be changing that overnight. Mm -hmm. And, and so much, uh, so much loss um, opportunity for people with disabilities across Canada of different tax measures or benefits that they could could have normally been eligible for, but because the uh, the federal government they deliberately, you know, knowingly just you know this followed under G or you know it just says yeah we don't want we don't want to deal with this. But and run on cylinder under G. Yeah. yeah, it is hurting people right because now people are having to. Um, Go to more food banks they're having to uh they're having to look for like mutual aids uh they're having to do so many other things that if they were just provided a, a dignified amount um, across for their income um just to to get by i mean it's, it's great if you know if people can work i mean that's awesome if they can't i mean they should have a base uh, amount uh you know with for for their disability plus uh, any extra tools that they need to actually work with their disability. So if you need uh, more of a mobility scooters upgrade, you need uh, adaptive equipment, um, all those things need to be piled on to work with your disability because uh, nobody should be in poverty in Canada. Like you mentioned, Peter, like we're in a wealthy, we have a wealthy country. We should be taking care of our citizens, not um, saying, oh, well, you know, there's, you know, we'll, we'll get around to it or, you know, yeah, we, we have your back. I think that yeah. was the magic line. We have your back. Don't don't worry. Uh, you know we'll, we'll go get to it. I remember yeah. the Trudeau lines every every morning uh, during COVID. I was watching. Oh, I used to call it uh, Peter. I used to call it the Trudeau show. Sonia's like the, the Trudeau show is on. I'm like, oh okay, maybe they're gonna mention Canadians with disabilities today. Nope, mention this, and finally they mentioned about the Canada Disability Benefit. Wow. And I thought, yeah. okay, well, why didn't they launch it at the same time as CERB? And I kept thinking back then, how come? And I thought, wow, they got CERB out in a hurry. And now and the recent news just came out. I, I was reading an article about it saying, I was on the news too. They're saying that 65% uh, of recipients who got CERB weren't supposed to get it. <laughs> That's outrageous. Um, you know, and I thought, well, meanwhile, Canadians with disabilities are still waiting for a, something that was promised uh, over two years ago. Well, you know, yeah. you know, one of my big problems with the whole uh, Canada Disability Benefit, I mean, it's a, it's a good idea, but one of my big problems with it is because, because we have such a fractured um, provincial system all across the country, like mm. all the provinces have their own way of, um, you know, administrating the, the social, uh, uh, social assistance programs, right? And it's just kind of a whole smorgasbord of everybody kind of doing their own, own thing. So when it comes to the Canada Disability Benefit, one of my big concerns is, like, you know that the provincial governments are all going to have to go to come to the table of, with the with the federal government, and they're all going to have to kind of coalesce. And I just don't, 
I, I, for the life of me, I don't see how the provincial governments are going to play nice or play ball with the federal government without really kicking up a fuss and saying, well, no, we don't want to give up our, our provincial jurisdiction of, our, of doing the benefits ourselves or doing the social assistance systems ourselves. And they're going to start balking at it and, and not playing nicely. And, and I don't, I just don't see how it's going to do this. Like, you mm -hmm. know, that's one of the problems well, I see with it. Okay. Well, my yeah, go yeah, ahead, Peter. So, so, so let me respond on that. First, first off, we went through this with healthcare, universal healthcare, right? There was mm -hmm. some resistance from some provinces initially, uh, but the fact that people were benefiting from it and the federal government was stepping in and making sure that it was being funded meant that all those provinces came on board. And, and the reality is, I mean, we, we've seen, uh, you mentioned, Brent, uh, you know, stepping up for people with disabilities. We, we, we've seen uh, successive governments, liberal and conservatives, stepping up for the wealthy in this country. I mentioned mm -hmm. the banks, hundreds of billions of dollars. Same oh, with yeah. overseas tax havens. We lose $30 billion a year, according to the parliamentary budgetary officer, wow. in overseas tax havens. The ultra-rich always get uh, their their needs or their wants taken care of. And we, we have tens of billions of dollars going to oil and gas executives. So the reality is we've, we've got the money and the funding to do this. The federal mm -hmm. government has to close all these loopholes and, and where they're throwing money away. And they need to sit down with the provinces and negotiate an agreement. If the federal government is funding it, and, and we've, we've seen this in other issues, provincial governments are going to be more than happy to raise the level of people with disabilities. So it is something, it takes leadership. It is something that can, that can happen, uh, but the federal government has to stop throwing money away at the rich and has to start, start funding the needs of people with disabilities and other, other regular Canadians that are really suffering at this time. Yeah, they, they definitely have to have that political will that, to, to do it. I mean, you look at these grocery uh, chains, these CEOs. I, I was just hearing about, uh, what was it? Um, uh, there was one that got a $1.2 million uh, wage increase. Like, meanwhile, you know, people are, are suffering across the country. Uh, was it, uh, there was a quote saying uh, from uh, Jake Mead had asked, asked the CEO, I mean, how are you doing? Like, I mean, uh, oh, I'm doing fine. Well, yeah, well, people are, are not doing fine in the country. They're suffering. They're having to go to food banks. And, and why? Like, they don't always get all the food and, um, you know, everything, all their nutrients that they need there. It's great. I mean, if they can go there or they find, uh, you know, an independent one that's going to give them healthy food. But nobody should really have to go to a food bank, right? I mean, it's exactly. uh, it was supposed to be there temporarily. I think it was a soup kitchens when it was first after the World War uh, and then kind of branched out and. Uh, you know, I have nothing, uh, nothing wrong with people having to, like, to use a food bank if they need to, because uh, right now, but I think long term, yeah. I think we, we need to get that social safety net, we need to get uh, a complete revamp so that people can buy what they need when they need it. Uh, and I guess that kind of branches into the uh, into the DERB, um, the disability emergency relief benefit. Uh, that's, uh, you know, an intern amount. Well, um, well, they, uh, study <laughs> they study and uh figure out how to get the uh kind of disability benefit out uh it's going to take quite a while um because right now what i'm hearing is they're not sure which is the formula they're going to go with uh like the the tax year um some say and i don't know like I, this is what i hear some say they're going to go with like, the nineteen thousand threshold uh some are going to be going with the higher threshold i think they're still trying to figure that out I'm hoping they don't go with the lesser because um, I'm not sure how it's all going to work. Is it like a top up to the provincial levels, I think, or and if they go with the 19, that top up is not going to be a couple hundred dollars. Maybe. Well, at least tie it to inflation too. That's a huge thing. Oh, right? absolutely. Tie it oh, to yeah. Inflation. Yeah. yeah. But, but the, the reality is, so what, what does the NDT achieve, right? With our 25 MPs, uh, Jagmeet Singh negotiated hard, uh, this year, uh, we have a dental benefit that is going out specifically for people with disabilities. I mean, yeah. a lot of Canadians with disabilities that haven't been able to go to the dentist for years and, mm -hmm. and their health suffers overall. There's often pain and suffering. So that dental benefit, which is kicking in in the next few months, is going to make a big difference. Secondly, the NDP pushed 
hard on on the issue of housing. And so with last year's budget, the the federal government now has the obligation to build 150,000 housing units across the country that are affordable. And affordable isn't $2,000 a month or $2,500 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. Affordable is a third of your income, 30% of your income, as we Mm -hmm. used to have with social housing and cooperative housing. Uh, So we've achieved that. And, And then thirdly, the grocery rebate, as you pointed out, we had the doubling of the GST credit. Jagmeet Singh fought hard on that. Uh, we mm-hmm. now have a grocery rebate going out. Uh, most of the people or, or half the people that will benefit from that are people with disabilities. And so these are all things that uh, that uh, Jagmeet and Jagmeet Singh and the NDP caucus, Benita Zarillo as our, as our disability critic, have fought for. Now, when it comes to the actual issue of the, the disability uh, emergency benefit or the Canada disability benefit or a guaranteed livable basic income, that the Liberals are nowhere on this. And I expect that is, I mean, we, we had Benita Zarillo, uh, she got unanimously passage of the Canada Disability Act that, uh, on February 2nd. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, two months, there's been complete radio silence. The budget didn't allocate money to people with disabilities. What that tells me is the Liberals are going to do what they've always done, which is hold out, promise it. You know, you reelect us and, and we'll, we'll do something about this. They, yeah, yeah, they did the same it. thing on pharmacare and dental care and child care for decades. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm saying people with disabilities need to get out and vote next time and vote yeah. to change the government. And don't vote conservative. Like that, that'll oh. wreck whatever programs uh, are there. Uh, you vote NDP, you elect far more NDP MPs, and then we finally uh, can have that critical mass in the House of Commons to put in place a disability benefit, a guaranteed livable basic income for people with disabilities so that, that we're, we're not forcing people to go to, to food banks anymore. And uh, my spouse and I grow food for the local food banks in New York. Was going to mention that. Yeah. yeah. And we've great. seen how the lineups have, have massively increased. We see the struggle for housing. Uh, mm-hmm. We're helping a lot of our constituents with this. But what we really need is change at the top because that's going to guarantee that people with disabilities across this country have the wherewithal to put food on the table and keep a roof over their head and, and have the respect that, that comes with having that guaranteed livable basic income. We have, a, we have a comment or a question from uh, the chat here. Okay. Um, from Canuck Peso, and uh, and he says, uh, could Peter speak to the conservative notion that if they do a UBI, it's socialism? Uh, they also do not support the CDB, as far as I have heard in question period. I I completely agree. That, I mean, conservatives uh, are, are a disaster. Uh, generally, the conservative administrations are a disaster for people with disabilities because um, what the conservatives are all about is helping people at the top, uh, liberals at least to pay lip service, and we can force them on certain issues, like I've mentioned, the housing, uh, dental care, the grocery rebate. Conservatives mm-hmm. just believe that somehow if we give massive amounts to banks and oil and gas CEOs and the very wealthy, that somehow that will trickle down to people mm-hmm. with disabilities. And that is a massive failure. That's simply not going to happen. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a myth, it's propaganda. This idea that it'll trickle down with people with disabilities is, is simply false. What the NDP believes is actually building an economy from the bottom up and, and the, the lowest in terms of income in this country are people with disabilities. So if you reinforce income for people with disabilities, mm-hmm. not only does that help the, the people with disability and their family, it helps the whole community because a, a Canadian with a disability is going to spend the money in the community. They're, they're yep. not, yep. They're not yeah. jetting yeah. off like the ultra rich to a tax haven in the Bahamas. Uh, yeah. and taking all their money with them. They're, they're spending locally. It helps yeah. small businesses. It helps to build the local economy. Well, That's yeah, a- you, you put money back into the local economy and it's going to help, uh, you know, blossom all these small businesses rather than big corporations who you know, uh, say, well, yeah, you know, we're, we're keeping our prices at a level. Well, they, they want it that way because they're going to be making all that massive profit. But if you put your money into local businesses, now you're going to help them rather than the big corporations like, Walmarts and Superstore and, um, you know, like uh, Save On Foods. Uh, I mean, I, I look at Save On Foods. I, I don't do my shopping there. I, I really try not to do my shopping there 
because I, I find it's not, you don't save too much, right? I find the price is actually quite high. Well, one, more... of the, one of the things that bugs me is, uh, you know, just here in BC, I'll just give our own uh, case here, Brent, is, yeah. uh, you know, when, when, the, when the provincial government say that they can't raise the rates, because uh, I think they have this notion that if they raise the rates for people with disabilities, it's somehow flushing the money away and you're not, they're not going to see the money again. It's just like, they're just going to throw the money and they're not going to see it. Well, that's kind of a misguided notion because the idea that you're just flushing money when you're actually, if you give people money, they're, they're going to go, go spend it, you know? So it's not money that just disappears into the ether and never to be seen again. It's money that's getting circulated and circulated and circulated. And it's going to like, improve lives you know it's not money that just disappears into the ether like you said in, in like investment funds and like uh bonds and stocks and you know it's gonna get uh circulated back into the local economies right well there yeah. was uh there, there was but, a can, can i can yeah, i respond sure. on that uh, yeah because that's a point important point that neil makes i mean david eby the new bc premier has uh, announced a uh, massive uh, affordable housing program, $4 billion in three years. Uh, BC will be building more in affordable housing uh, over the course of the next uh, next three years, as they have in the previous four years than the rest of the country combined. Uh, but the provincial government is also being beset by the federal government's cutbacks on health care. We've seen an erosion of healthcare funding. So the, the BC provincial government is trying to do as much as it can with less money as the federal government fritters its money away in overseas tax havens. So it, the really, it starts at the top. The federal government has to start closing all these loopholes, obliging the ultra-rich to pay taxes. Uh, what a concept. Everybody else pays taxes. How about the yeah. ultra-rich and the billionaires? How about they actually pay their fair share of taxes? And, and in that way, uh, the provincial governments will also be able to step up more. But with the idea of a guaranteed livable basic income that yeah. comes largely from the federal government, there's no doubt somebody like David Eby, who understands the, the situation for people with disabilities, will step up to ensure that there's an agreement to lift people with disabilities out of the dire poverty in which in which so many of them are found yeah there was um there was a town hall meeting i uh, i attended uh, just about through three days ago um and they asked you know people's lived experience uh, what would you would like to see about lifting people out of poverty uh and i had brought up a very pressing um very good question um something that i think would benefit so many people and not just in bc but I'm hoping that it'd be across the country by anybody who's on provincial uh, provincial uh, benefits. Um, at one time, it used to be a pension, uh, but they they changed that. Uh, Neil will probably get into both that one. But uh, yeah. um, anyway, what I had recommended is that anyone who's in market housing right now, they pay what the market rent will bear. So which uh, obviously erodes away uh, off their, their benefits uh, check. Of course, if they don't have a fixed address, they don't even get that shelter portion. So my recommendation is that anyone who's actually in, like, say, in social housing or BC housing or, and I think on Ontario, they call it RGI. There's so many different, um, you know, housing providers under the one umbrella, right? So uh, what I had recommended was anyone who's in, say, for in BC here, who gets the SAFERS program, which is the seniors, seniors, uh, supplement or RAP, which is the red, red, uh, residential assistance uh, program. So those are the single mothers, single fathers who need that uh, um, basically supplement to uh, for their income for rent. So those two, if they could expand the uh, that into PWD who are in market housing, I think it would make a huge difference because uh, right now it's just only for BC housing. If they could extend that over to people in market, it would be so much better. That way, people are only paying thirty percent of their income to their uh, corporate landlords, their REITs. Um, I mean, of course, their you know REITs will say, "Well, why? Yeah, but how do we get paid?" Well, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, it could easily be solved. And I was actually asking my my manager here. I've got a very good rapport with her. I asked her, "Would how would that work here?" She said, "That would be phenomenal, Brent. I have, would have no no problem with that." Like at all. I mean, we still get paid. You still pay your rent. It would just be a, um, a, a certain subsidy check that you get. And then you give your check 
and then you give it to us, right? And then done. And that way you only pay 30% of your income. The money goes back into the local economy rather than in our pockets. I mean, I'd be more than happy to rent you another unit in the building here for you know, outrageous amount. I said, okay, and how would that work? You would still only pay 30% of your income. So you could be able to move to another place that's more suitable based on transportation needs, accessibility. And I guess getting to that topic, uh, it's very unfortunate the federal government didn't give the province uh, the transportation amounts that they asked for too, the, for infrastructure. Very disappointing. I know David Eby is very upset about that uh, because they, they needed that money. Um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, but I, I, I mean, I think the, the, the idea of subsidizing uh, for-profit Mm. Um, uh, or a financialized housing uh, mm. is is something that um, can be done, but we can't get away from the fact that for the last 40 years, since the uh, Paul Martin liberal government ended the national housing program, we now have a shortage of mm -hmm. about half, uh, half, a, half a million affordable housing units. We mm. used to build cooperative housing. What I like about cooperative housing is that those rent checks uh, go exactly to maintaining uh, the actual cooperative housing unit. Mm. <coughs> and a, as a result of that, it, it stays in the community. Uh, mm -hmm. Social housing, the same thing. It goes to a nonprofit. And that's recycled to ensure that there's more housing being built. So we have to make up that half a million uh, shortfall in housing mm. that's affordable. And it, it can't be for-profit housing. We, we can't mm. afford the, you know, the 15 to 20% profit on top of it. We have to stay focused on nonprofit and cooperative housing really okay. to address the housing crisis. Now, as I mentioned, we've, we forced the liberals to invest for 150,000 units. Uh, there's still easily another 350, 400,000 to go. And we're gonna to have to keep pressing them on that because uh, until we have housing for everybody, we, we can't say we have a housing as a right in this country and housing is a right. There shouldn't yeah. be uh, the thousands of people we're seeing sleeping out in park benches and in on main streets uh, in this country. Right. And yeah, even, I mean, and even it was over a people that came into Canada last year and they're projecting about another 1.5 million over the next three years. Uh, so we definitely need to get housing built. Uh, and the liberals have to uh, put their foot onto the gas pedal and get this, uh, get these things going rather than debating, well, I'll leave up to the provinces. No, no, this transfer the money over. Let's get this going. Like this, there's no, well, no I, need to. I think one of the things that doesn't get a lot of airplay too, is that because we have, Housing is so astronomical now. I mean, you oh, have, right. yeah, but you have even uh, like a lot of blue collar workers, let's say, like uh, uh, restaurant workers and janitors and stuff that mm -hmm. uh, say in the, in the downtown core where that where the uh, housing is the is the highest. I mean, you have uh, a real exodus of uh, of of those blue collar workers. So, or if if you need the blue collar workers they're they're coming in from abbotsford because that's the only place they can afford to live so yeah, it's, it's just crazy further. i mean there used to be i mean if you work downtown you could afford to live downtown and that you can't do that anymore it's just crazy yeah yeah exactly and they're just getting pushed further and further east or getting sprawled out to other communities i you're looking at um the first responders they can't even live in the community that they're living in. They have to commute over uh, from either from the island over back and forth on the ferry. And um, yeah, that's, you know, definitely that's not right. And I mean, yeah, the human right. Uh, and nobody should have to say, well, I can't afford to have housing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, putting food on the table or, or paying for medications. And then, and sadly, there's so many people that are in that boat where they're having to rotate things and just to try to, you know, one little hiccup and boom, they're they're homeless. And then look at what's happening. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to pick on Vancouver because it's been on the headlines a lot lately. But what's happening in Vancouver, um, in Nanaimo, uh, Victoria, Victoria is really bad downtown, too. Um, I had to go down there yesterday. And uh, it's, it's so sad, Peter. I mean, I saw a couple of people that are just like, please, like even 25 cents, could you? And I'm sorry, like I if I did have 25 cents, I would give that to you. And like, you know, they're just desperate for help. And they says, I, I just want a place I could call home. 
and I don't have enough money. And I'm, I mean, so many stories that you hear from people just from day to day. And uh, I, I know we can get this right as a country. We can, we can do it. It is definitely something that has to be fixed. Yeah. Now, so be, I, I shouted out at the beginning of the program to uh, deaf and hard of hearing mm -hmm. uh, people across Canada. I worked very extensively when I led the Western Institute for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing mm -hmm. uh, that provided disability supports across British Columbia. One of the things that we did in in conjunction with a wide variety of other uh, organizations for people with disabilities, the BC Paraplegic Association, Coast Mental Health, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and a variety mm -hmm. of others. We came together and we got the major employment contract for people with disabilities. Now, mm -hmm. we were able to send that across the country, uh, across the province. It was a landmark uh, program that was uh, later when I left and went to Parliament BC Liberal government, uh, as they did in so often, basically uh, scorched that program. But it was mm -hmm. uh, a terrific way of providing the, uh, the initial steps for people with disabilities uh, to actually get employment. And it, everything from providing sign language interpreters for the job interview uh, to ensuring there was funding if you know, there was one step to, to get into the business, uh, we would pay for that step so that the business... Uh, could hire the person with disability. It was win-win because those small businesses found that people with disabilities not only did a fantastic job, but they stayed longer. Uh, there isn't the over uh, the you know the the turnover that you see uh, with a lot of new employees, and so it really was win-win. You point out that the issue of small businesses and having uh, people living nearby is essential, mm -hmm. and this has an impact on employment for people with disabilities and on the small businesses themselves. If, if a person with a disability has to live out in Abbotsford or can't get housing at all, they're, they're not gonna be available to help those small businesses. And so this is a, an issue of fairness. It's an issue of, of uh, building a better local economy. It's an issue of human rights. All of these issues are together. And for far too long in this country, we've uh, put the priorities of banks and billionaires and CEOs above uh, what is uh, really where the essential investment should be. If we really want to build a, a vibrant economy and have a country where everybody matters, where nobody's left behind. And, and this is what the, the NDP is pushing for with our 25 voices in the House of Commons. And we are hoping uh, that that will be a far bigger number in the next election. But I come back to the point, people with disabilities can determine who the next government is. If 20% uh, if of the population gets out and says, we're gonna vote this way, uh, that's gonna be the future of how the country is governed. And, and people with disabilities need to use their power to, to make sure that we have a government that actually respects Canadians with disabilities from coast to coast to coast. If they only allowed us, if they, if they only allowed you and me, Brent, to have 100% of the vote, we'd have no problems, right? Yeah, I, I call it people. I call it yeah, exactly. I call it people power, right? And it's uh, it's not it, it's you know they're they're uh, people with disabilities, their families, it's their caregivers, or their parents, their grandparents. They all vote, so they all get them to all keep voting. I vote for you know a, a better change and bringing in a, a better government that's actually going to be you know looking out for people's best interests. Yeah, there we go, Peter. I mean that uh, that vote it really makes a huge difference because. We know what happens, um, you know, in Ontario, for instance. People say, "Well," or or any other province, like you know, if it was BC or Ontario or any province that say, "Well, that's the government we got in." Oh, how come? Well, if you don't vote, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, or or if it's a city council, like on a city council level, like, well, how did that person get reelected back in again, or whatever? So people, they they want to have positive change. They need to come together and. Uh, I always say, I always say, if you don't vote, you have no right to complain either. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's exactly it. I, I had yeah. that happen. My mom used to tell me that, oh, you know, I said, get out there and vote. So I pull her to the voting station and she voted and she says, okay. And, and it, you know, it really, yeah, it made a change, right? I mean, the whole neighborhood did it one time and, you know, and um, yeah, I just, I want to quickly dive in, um, Peter. I, I know that wasn't one of our topics, but uh, I just wanted your view about uh, the transportation network um, throughout BC and across the country. As we know that Greyhound pulled away years ago, 
Um, but of course, obviously, there's still that that ripple effect that we're feeling across the disconnect across the uh, Western uh, BC, uh, Western uh, you know provinces uh, versus on, and also into Ontario and obviously the Maritimes. But that national network got pulled away, and now we got some kind of patchwork that's kind of working, but it, it can only go so far. And um, where do you see? Uh, maybe you could carry uh, my comments to over to Jagmeet and uh, other your um, your other colleagues that maybe could maybe put some pressure on Trudeau and uh, the Conservatives and you know the Bloc and you know everybody else that uh, votes on these uh, these very important transportation needs uh, to to get a other uh, kind of an inter um, interprovincial transportation network uh, going because I know obviously Greyhound you know they they made some mistakes. Um, and I think a lot of people know that is their structuring. They wanted to restructure. They were pleading for help. Uh, unfortunately, there was deaf ears, you know, that were up there in Parliament uh, from the Liberals and Conservatives that didn't want to hear. It. They didn't want to help them out. And they, I know that they pleaded because I talked to one of the bus drivers. He drives the e-bus now from Vancouver to Kamloops, uh, and he was one one of the drivers. And he said we pleaded for help, but the Fed, the Feds didn't want to hear it. They said. Sorry, sorry for your bad luck. I mean, you don't, you didn't structure things accordingly. And he's a, he's a really funny guy, but uh, um, I said I would carry my voice forward uh, when I have a chance. And I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, obviously, Greyhound couldn't. I think they made the mistake big guy, by going from province to province to province. But if they make a connection between each province and a connecting bus, so BC to Alberta and then Alberta would go to Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan then get a uh, bus would go to uh yeah. You know, when a bigger mantle, yeah, yeah. So, so two things. First off, I introduced the Canadians with Disabilities Act, which is designed to uh, broaden accessibility in our transportation sector, notably as the Americans with Disabilities Act did in the United States. I mean, you know, if you ADA, if you yeah. travel in the United States, the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, hotels accommodation are supposed to provide. Uh, uh, the disabled access uh, rooms you can see in the transportation sector the difference uh, so the NDP has introduced that it was mm. a very ambitious piece of legislation uh, still a ton of work that's needed on it and in fact the drafters in the House of mm. Commons said look uh, for a private member's bill, we don't have the capacity. You can only bring this kind of a bill forward when you form government. So one of the things that needs to happen is transportation accessibility, but it, that can only happen if we have a transportation network. Mm -hmm. And the NDP has always believed that you need to have a combination. I mean, uh, as social Democrats, we we don't uh, believe that the market governs all. That's why Tommy Douglas and, and the NDP fought for universal health care, because there are some areas where it doesn't make sense to build in profit. Uh, another example is housing. Affordable housing uh, means you can't just financialize all housing. You need to build cooperative. You need to build social housing, right? That's, that is is publicly, uh, often publicly owned. Mm -hmm. Same with our transportation sector. The reality is the private sector is not going to have huge profits uh, for right. ensuring that we have transportation across the country. They will cream certain routes, but they will leave most of the infrastructure abandoned. And that's why having via rail uh, mm -hmm. works, except the government's underfunding it. And that's why having a transportation sector, a bus network, makes sense as well. That's publicly owned, that isn't driving for a 15% profit, but is actually keeping as its focus, ensuring that we have uh, an infrastructure across the country so that uh, people don't have to hitchhike, as, as we saw in the, uh, the Highway of Tears, what that meant uh, for people not having transportation in, the, in North, northern British Columbia. It led, uh, has led to the deaths and disappearances of many Indigenous women. Uh, yeah. uh, there, there is a vulnerability that comes for not having a transportation sector in place. So the NDP believes we need to rebuild the transportation sector and make it accessible. And, and we can do that in a way to public ownership that ensures uh, that Canadians have a good quality of life. Because the reality is, as you know, Brent, as you know, Neil, if, if somebody has a disability and they're living in northern Saskatchewan uh, with yeah. no uh, transportation network, uh, they could be cut off. If they live in northern Alberta with Greyhound withdrawing, uh, they're cut off. Uh, these are things 
uh, that are essential for our quality of life, particularly in a country as vast as Canada. Uh, so the transportation sector is something we take very seriously, both the accessibility, but also having a transportation network so that people aren't left, particularly low-income people, vulnerable with no recourse in terms of how they can get from point A to point B to visit their family or to, to visit close friends. Uh, that's part of the quality of life that we should all enjoy in Canada. But to pay for it, we need to shut down the overseas tax havens and the hemorrhaging of tens of billions of dollars every year there. We have to be responsible with the resources we have. Giving to banks and giving to billionaires isn't yeah. and shouldn't be the priority. It should be yeah. funding services and making sure people with disabilities have a livable income. Well, like we have the yeah, right out in the Fraser Valley right now, like they have a, a transit labor dispute, a, a U.S. A US company that's not cooperating, you know, uh, and they're providing supposed to be providing the service. And, you know, and that's just, you know, it's, they can't get it figured out. Well, they're going to lose the contract. Right. Um, because it's like if you, you know, of course, who knows if they pay taxes? I don't know. I mean, it's and it's just sad because uh, it's leaving the whole community um in in hostage situation almost i mean maybe not the word hostage but they're leaving them in, uh, they're they're basically um keeping them from moving around their communities i mean for me i'd love to go out to out to the valley i can't get out there because there's no bus and you, know, you can't walk along highway one i mean no uh definitely yeah. but you know i mean what you do take an e-bus out there to cost yourself who knows like 70 80 dollars to go to uh chilliwack i mean yeah, so it's, um, again, you know, it's having a reliable transportation. If, if one company can't get it figured out, well, then we'll have to pass the torch on to somebody else who can, you know, keep things interlined. Um, yeah, and you, you made a really good point on that, Peter. I mean, it's, uh, you know, people with disabilities, um, you know, being in rural communities, uh, I think it's so important to um, having that network of transportation. Otherwise, they're cut off. Uh, um, and, I, you know, I think there's so much opportunity, like, I know in um, northern BC they have the they call it uh, North North Bus, uh, which is great. They have that contract with the provider, which is servicing the communities up that way. And um, I know uh, Lee Kazan, she she talks a lot about the indigenous uh, communities um, and being kind of cut off from different uh, resources. Uh, I I think she's uh, totally awesome too. And Benita and there's there's a lot of them. I I'll go through the whole list, but. I uh, yeah, I was just going to inter interject there, uh, Brent. We're right at the top of the hour, like we're pushing sure. right at the top, top of the hour there. So if there's any closing comments from Peter or yourself, we can kind of start. To sure, I, I'll start with uh, I'll start with Peter first. Uh, well, I, I want to thank you for the, the the program that you put on, the information you get out there. Uh, we're trying uh, very hard to get information out as well. And uh, we're going to keep fighting for people with disabilities. We've achieved some things like dental care and, and the start on affordable housing and also uh, the grocery rebates and the emergency benefit. These are things that the NDP fought for. We've got a lot more to fight for. Jagmeet Singh would be the first to admit that. Benita Zarillo as well. Uh, but we want to get to a country where nobody's left behind. Uh, people with disabilities can help us in that fight. If uh, you get out and vote in the next campaign and make sure that the House of Commons changes markedly, never, never underestimate the power of the vote. And so thanks. Thanks for having me on the program and, and look forward to appearing again soon. Yeah, thank you. Oh, absolutely. It's been a great pleasure, Peter, having you join us. And uh, always, uh, always a great pleasure having you join us on the show, uh, as always. Um, and you're right. Um, People just need to see change. You need to you need to vote for the NDP. And uh, next uh, next time around, when you get the ballot, check off who you who your representative is in your community. If you're in uh, in Peter's community, check Mark. <laughs> thank you, uh, and uh, thank you very much, Peter. Um, and I, for me, the closing comments is I, I want to just want to thank you very much, uh, Peter, for taking the time today to come on to my show. Um, it's always a great pleasure having you and a lot of your colleagues who come in and join me and talking about these pressing uh, issues that really affect Canadians with disabilities. Uh, and, you know, and, and the allies, I mean, you're an ally and there's so many allies that, um, that it affects their lives too. Um, a disability can be invisible. It can be physical. It can be 
so many different types of disabilities and having people coming in and um, carrying our voices and hearing our voices uh, because that's what, and you know, it makes a change. It's bringing everybody together as the community. Uh, and uh, it's, it's great pleasure having you on Peter. Um, so I know we can make changes happen uh, and uh, get people power, right? And uh, that's, that's how it works is bringing us all together, making change for the better. That's good. And uh, Neil, uh, what would you, uh, any, any comments? Yeah, just, thank you, Peter, for coming on. And uh, we're so excited to have, be able to re, re relaunch on a more secure channel where you're not getting harassed, which is, which is nice for me as a producer. I, yes. I, <laughs> yes. That's a big thumbs up for me. So uh, yes. again, we're Most really happy that you came back and yeah. Yeah. So that's great. I look forward to having you back on again soon, Peter. We'll do a we'll do a follow up, and uh, I do that every so often. Uh, thanks again, uh, Peter, and everybody for tuning in. Bye, everyone. And we'll uh, we'll we'll see you again soon.